honestly, all it would take to get a lot of people to join a cult would be blanket nests everywhere. Just, yeah. What more do you need? Just for use blanket nests. Uh, discretionary blanket nests. <laughs> well, Hello, Andy. We've cracked it. That's how we're starting our cult. Hello, Katie. Hello, listeners. Hello. We are two girls who scare easily. Welcome. And that's how we're starting our cult. So, you know, send your application if you're interested in blanket nests. Now you know. Now you know. Yep. Hot tip. Uh, we take turns telling each other spooky or interesting or weird stories that typically take place in or around Colorado. And every time we alternate. So this time is my turn. And Katie has no idea what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Not a clue. Before we get started, we should mention, last week we went and saw Obituary Live here in Denver. And it was so fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a hoot. We learned about people that were mummified in honey. And... (laughs) The heated debate on whether or not we would consume that honey i'm fine with the honey i don't want to consume the man in the honey that's my line that's fair okay i get in we were out on a weeknight this is a big deal for us it was we willingly left our closets for this i did we dressed like humans Mm -hmm. downright cute very cute that was, it was super fun, and that's all. You should check them out if you haven't listened to them. Obituary. Yeah, they're absolutely hilarious podcast. I love them, and seeing them in person was exactly what I expected. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was wonderful. Someday this will be us. Exactly. It's gonna be us. It's gonna be us. Uh, should we get started? Let's do it. Do we need the uh, profanity disclaimer? Yeah. Well, I already said it, so we're going to do it. Okay. In case people are new, we are two grown adults, and therefore we cuss. Sometimes we talk about sensitive subject matter just as a heads up, just so you know. And now you know. And today, I have a true crime story for you. So, if you don't want to hear about murder, then maybe skip this one. True crime... So, um, what kind of true crime? So, we have the Black Widow of Colorado. <gasps> if you are unaware, and you've been living under a rock, a Black Widow is a woman who kills her husband, plural, uh, usually for money reasons. I don't know. Maybe some of them just liked it. I don't know their lives. You tell me at the end of this. We can discuss if you really think she like qualifies as a true Black Widow or not. Okay. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Okay. So we are talking about a woman named Jill Coit. Now, she was born on June 11th in either 1943 or 1944. She has said both. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus or minus a year, you know. Ish. I forget how old I am all the time. So, so it's like... Once you're past 25, okay. it's kind of all the same. 
until you hit like the milestone, like thirty. Mm-hmm. And then forty. You measure our life in decades. Exactly. I'm somewhere in my thirties. It's fine. Yeah. The the stride to death's door becomes wider. You're no longer counting as frequently. I say that like I'm terrified of aging. Right, I'm I'm like, as we approach death here. (laughs) I think aging is great, but, like, I'm going to have to, I don't know. I can't not get dark. Anyways, continue. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. And he's doing a great job. Now, Miss Coit was married upwards of 11 times. Did, Did she kill all of them? No, she did not. Okay. So I was like, that's, no, that's already, that would be if like, she did, then Andy, she's definitely a black widow and yes. a serial killer. <laughs> yes. No, that would, that would for sure qualify. Okay. So she was born in, uh, Louisiana. She grew up in New Orleans. Supposedly her upbringing was totally normal. She had no like major traumas. She was described as popular, but she didn't do very well in high school. Uh, so she dropped out and married her first husband at age 17. Okay. She filed, well, I think he actually filed for divorce less than a year later. So it didn't last very long. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're they're 17. That's... Exactly. Like, I wouldn't, I mean, it happens. I know somebody who got married at like 15 and she's, I think, in her 80s. And they're still married. But And they're still married. It happens. I think it's. It's on the rare side. I would I would tend to agree. Yes. It is. Yes. So she ended up going back and getting her uh, GED or high school diploma or whatever. Um, and then she went to college briefly, but that didn't really work out either. So she, she married her first husband in 1961. She married her second husband... Uh, Stephen Moore in 1964 and had her first son with him. And then they got divorced shortly after they had him. Now, husband number three was William Clark Coit Jr. So she ended up taking his last name and she just sticks with that last name kind of from here on out. Okay. So he was a wealthy gas pipeline worker, and they met at a French Quarter bar in New Orleans. Mm. They got married in 1966, which was two years after she married Stephen Moore. However, she was still legally married to Stephen Moore when they got married, (laughs) which, Uh yeah, they frown upon that. Uh, it was kind of unclear to me if they, I don't know, if they had like a do-over or if it starts counting once the divorce goes through. I don't know what the laws on marriage are. Oh, like if you marry, if you're married to two people at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think the second one is, is void until the first, or, you know. I would tend to The one that you're still legally in yeah i don't think the marriages that come after that are legal right because the one you're still in like 
renders all of them done. Yeah. So I don't know if they ended up getting a do-over later, like getting married again. Oh, that's what you – yeah. Probably. To make it legal? I don't know. Or if it was more of like a common law kind of thing. They're like, oh, we already did it. So what? I don't know. I don't know. But he was her third husband. Uh, So they ended up having two kids together and Coit adopted Jill's son from her previous marriage. So they have three kids all together. Uh, They ended up moving to Texas for Coit's job. And then she filed for divorce in 1972. So this was one of her longer marriages. It lasted, um, what is that, like six years? So, Coit must have suspected something because he withdrew a large amount of money from his bank accounts and was joking that, like, well, at least this is something she can't get her hands on. Which, I don't know, I've heard of a lot of contentious divorces where they're like, oh, I don't want her to take my money. Or vice versa, whatever. But, yeah, kind of suspicious. So, March 8th is when she filed for divorce. March 29th, William Coit Jr. was discovered dead. So, he failed to show up at work that morning. And so, Jill went over to check on him and found the body. Uh... He was apparently shot in the back twice by an intruder. Jill, as is reasonable, was suspected of his murder. But the police never had enough evidence to charge her. And then she also, like, basically fled back to New Orleans and hired this lawyer and then um, to kind of, like, prevent them from extraditing her back to Texas. And she ended up checking herself into a mental hospital for, quote, acute hysteria and emotional distress to avoid questioning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first time, you know, people respond to trauma in all sorts of ways. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it kind of sounds like um, after this, because she was in a different state, because they didn't have a ton of evidence, um, the police, like the investigation kind of just went cold in Texas. Mm-hmm. So they, I don't know, she was just never pursued for this, I guess. Uh, So she ended up inheriting all of his estate, which, I mean, she is still raising his three kids. So assuming she didn't murder him is probably okay. But, I mean, it's an assumption. But she did. (laughs) Well, I guess we're about to see if a pattern was in fact set. Exactly. So shortly after this, this is like a weird blip. She did not marry this guy. But shortly after, Jill moves to California and she convinces this elderly gentleman 
to adopt her. Like, he legally adopted her. (laughs) So that she inherited a large portion of his estate after he died. He was, like, in his 90s. And there is no evidence of foul play in this instance. But it's uh, an interesting turn of events. That's... That's... What? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know you could do that. Like, adopt someone after they're an adult. Who's an adult? Yeah. Yeah. That... Kirk does that in Gilmore Girls. He befriends yeah. elderly townsfolk <gasps> so that they write him into their will. I remember that. <laughs> and... You know, that just, like, there's a lot of questions around that. Yeah. If you didn't have any family or living relatives or friends or whatever, like, you can just write a person into your will. Why do you, why the adoption? Like, it's too easy for there to be, like, emotional manipulation. Yeah, I think maybe on her part it was to kind of, a like make it more legally binding so like the rest of his family couldn't contest it as much if I remember correctly there were like objections (laughs) Uh, to that indeed yeah it's like but it was it was a thing okay okay yep so after that she marries husband number four and I'm 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 pretty sure on the order of these husbands, different um, sources kind of said different things because not all of these marriages are actually legal. So it gets a little wibbly wobbly in here. But husband number four, she she married uh, Donald Charles Brody, who was an officer in the Marine Corps uh, in... 1973 so this is a year after William Coit was murdered she gets married again Uh, she divorced him after two years she this is so this is where things start to get a little messy or we have more evidence of things getting a little a little messy so he divorced her and She was saying, (laughs) she was trying to tell him that she was pregnant with his son. Okay. She she was not. She wanted, basically, to scam him out of money. Okay. I I don't know, like, lump sum or child support, I I guess it probably didn't matter to her. But she was trying to get money out of him and claim Mm -hmm. that she was pregnant with his son claim she had a son and then later people uh people said that uh she had paid to borrow their babies to try and convince him of this oh yeah did she just think that all babies look alike she could just rent one one day and rent a different one the next and he would be none the wiser i don't know and apparently it was not convincing though like 
this baby clearly didn't look like them because he did not believe her. <laughs> Could you just imagine <laughs> the audacity it takes to sell that story? This is your baby. This doesn't look anything like us. And then come back three days later. This is a different baby. What are you talking about? This is little Charlie. No, that is an entirely different human <laughs> being. That's not even a boy. What is happening? What is happening? I was actually thinking about it on the other end and like trying to imagine this woman coming to me and being like, hey... So if I give you, like, 50 bucks, can I just borrow your baby for, like, a couple of hours? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Never. No. You can't? No. I was going to say you can't rent people, but that's kind of what jobs are. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, jobs are just renting <laughs> persons. But usually, you're not allowed to rent children. Exactly. And child labor is illegal. So. I mean, except in, like, <laughs> just, fucking like, Arkansas right now or some bullshit. <laughs> the, the level of friends we would have to be for you to just, like, borrow my baby to, like, convince some yeah. dude it was his. I'm not just, saying I don't uh, have friends that are there. I do. Just knock, knock, knock. Like, hey, I need a kid. Can I just, just borrow yours real quick? I don't want to get into the reasons right now, but I need to borrow your baby. <laughs> Nothing weird. I just need to borrow your baby. <laughs> I just... No. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, lordy. Okay, so he doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe her. Uh, and just kind of bounces. So, husband number five. Louis, I think. Louis, Louis or Louise, I don't know. Uh, De Rosa. He, he, he was one of her lawyers during the William Coit uh. investigation. So now, he knows that her previous husband was found dead and that she was a suspect because he was advising her while she was trying to not get extradited back to Texas for questioning. And he still went there. Well, I mean, you know what they say, keep your friends close and <laughs> potential murder suspects even closer. I'm pretty sure that's the adage. I guess... <laughs> Yeah. So then I'm just I'm going to I'm going to insert here. There was an interview with one of her ex-husbands and he said that she was just like when you had a conversation with her, you would leave being like, "Oh my god, this is the most amazing person in this in the world." Like she was apparently very charming. I've seen pictures of her when she was younger and she was very cute she had like one of those like kind of pixie cuts and just looked like yeah she was like adorable kind of so i mean i guess i you would have to be right but i mean i think so to be 
kind of scamming all of these different gentlemen for one reason or another. She has to be charming and gregarious and attractive and alluring. Like, that's how they get you. Exactly. You you catch more honeys when you're fly. <sighs> you're welcome. I need that on a shirt, too. You're welcome. I'm... That was for you. I'm I'm gonna, for I'm gonna free. write that one down. That's that was for free. I'm pretty just... sure that I got that from somewhere else. That's uh, like an internet thing uh, for okay. sure. But it it's, goddamn works. It's mine now. I'm taking it. I'm putting it on everything. You catch where honey's <laughs> when you're fly. That's for you. That was beautiful. I almost so apparently she it was too. also like my brain flipped it yeah. for a second. You know. You know. Yeah. So apparently apparently that's what she was doing. She was. Very much. Because she got, she bagged a lawyer. She got all the honeys, including the ones that should have known better. So here, this is where things start to get a little bit iffy on the timelines and the number of husbands she's got going on. Okay. So I read that she separated from the lawyer. And she married this other guy in Ohio. And then she married uh, the lawyer again. <sighs> but I don't know if that was like a, a true second marriage, if they separated and then got back together. I think the marriage in Ohio like wasn't legal because she was still married to the lawyer. That whole part gets a little messy. The husbands aren't always named, which is probably... You know, their prerogative. But, yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Okay. So then, I'm, like, so paranoid about accidentally leaving myself muted now. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> okay, so, 1983, uh, she marries her next husband, which is seven or eight now. I don't know. I mean, are we counting the lawyer as two separate? I or are we counting him as one? That could be if it's some, one where some of the confusion comes to. Because if you count by people, then this would be eight. But if you count by marriages, well, if you count by bunnies. legal marriages, then it's only marriages like four or something. Yeah, yeah. People would be seven quote-unquote marriages would be eight, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So she marries a teacher in Indiana. So she is, like, all over the place. Oh. She's been in Louisiana Her type is and Texas. Everyone. It's rich. <laughs> yeah, her type is cheddar. <laughs> um, so this marriage actually lasted for nine years. Uh, it also wasn't technically legal (laughs) because she was still married to the lawyer until 1985, which was, if you'll note, two years after she supposedly married this fellow. Mm -hmm. Uh, so later after Jill is arrested, spoiler, uh, (laughs) this guy claims that he feels lucky to be alive. He suspects 
that she tried to kill him twice. Because uh, she probably did. <laughs> I mean, probably. So the first time was by poisoning his coffee, which I didn't get any more details. I don't know. Maybe he just got food sickness or something. I don't know. Um, food poisoning. But she said he thinks that she tried to poison his coffee. And then she thinks that he had a man run him over while he was riding his bike. Uh, she denies both of these claims. But eh. I, I'm, at this point, I'm not going to trust her. I mean, and he is very lucky to be alive. Yes. Like, yes. So, this brings us up to Gerald Boggs, which is approximately husband nine. And so, Coit at this point is in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So, this is where we bring it home. Beautiful town. Yes. Actually, I've never been, but. I hear good things. It's lovely. We should go. We'll add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> so she moved out there with her three sons. And she was renovating a, bread, a bed and breakfast there. So in the process of renovating this, this place, she had to visit the local hardware store a lot. This hardware store happened to be run by Gerald Boggs. Uh, he was a wealthy bachelor. He enjoyed scuba diving, underwater photography, and flying. So they they fell pretty hard. Well, he fell pretty hard for her, like all the others. And they got married in 1991. He did not know that he was husband number nine. She didn't, she didn't share that with him. So at this point, just, just to kind of give us a timeline here, Jill is 41. Okay. So soon after they got married, she announced that she was pregnant. This was, um, impressive because... She had actually had a hysterectomy a few years prior, which Bugs did not know. Okay. But she claimed she was pregnant. She insisted on going back home to Louisiana to have the baby. And she came back a few weeks after and said that the baby was born alive but died shortly after. Tragic. Was she... How How was she figuring out that one tiny pesky detail of not showing a baby belly at all? I don't know. Did she just say, I'm pregnant, and then six weeks later, peace, I'm going to go have a baby in Louisiana? I don't... There are... No, I have a few things. Yeah. Namely one thing that's kind of like an issue when you're pregnant and you, I've never, I've never had a baby, but Andy, you have. I have. They grow out. They do. 
you know, they extend. Yeah. Yeah. From you. I mean, they did make an entire, what was it, TLC show about people not knowing that they were pregnant. (laughs) So maybe it was very obvious for me. I had a beach ball glued to the front of my body, but that's, that's just me. I don't know. And now those beach balls are out living in the world. Oof, don't remind me. <laughs> Doing world things. It was so much easier when they weren't their own people. <sighs> uh, that, okay, that's true. I just, I feel like maybe there should have been... That's a ballsy con. I thought so. Honestly, in my book, I don't I don't know that everybody else feels this way, but in my book, lying about being pregnant in this kind of scenario when you're lying, saying that you are pregnant when you're not to manipulate another person. It feels kind of on par with like lying about having cancer. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just like real sleazy. It's real sleazy. Yeah. It's very manipulative. Don't ever like, that's just a super shitty thing to do. Yeah. And it's, it also takes work to like pull off, like lying about having cancer also takes work to pull off. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I don't understand that. That's so much effort. That's so yeah. much effort. And it's not like effort in the fun way. No. It's like pretending it's sleazy to be effort. sick all the time. <laughs> that sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like faking an injury for insurance money. Yeah. Or... And if you're pretending to be pregnant, like you can't drink anymore. <laughs> or like do or fun have things. Sushi or blue cheese or go on trampolines. Coffee. No trampolines. No tattoos? No. Like, it's real boring. Like, I don't understand it. That's why I just wonder, like, how far did she... When did she go to... When did she go to Louisiana? And she has... Bye. She has to have been pretending to be further along, like, after they got married, because um, they were not married for even nine months. So... I don't know how that even oh. worked with the math there. That math ain't mathin'. It's sure not. Yeah. Okay. Well, somehow. You are not the only person who was suspicious. Uh, some of the other people, some of his friends, his brother, they were all kind of, uh, kind of suspicious. Especially. They also. Thought that math ain't mathin'. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then it turns out that, like, uh, she was very interested in Bog's finances. And his oh. brother, Doug, was like, hmm, I don't know. She doesn't seem that good at math. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he, his brother, ended up hiring a private investigator to uh, scope this woman out. And so he comes back. He's like, hey, this woman's actually already been married like eight times. 
she also has several aliases. She's been involved in various financial and insurance scams. She's still legally married to her seventh husband. (laughs) So there was just like one or two red flags in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Boggs has the marriage annulled after seven months. So I think that was shortly after the pregnant, not pregnant thing went down. Like after she got back. Um, so they ended up, Coit and Boggs, they ended up in several lawsuits um, because of the bed and breakfast. So Boggs had invested a lot financially into uh, the bed and breakfast. And so he was, it was, it got really complicated because Coit's was using mortgage fraud to conceal her assets because of a financial judgment against her from a previous husband. So she was like doing fraud to hide her money from previous husbands. And then there were also charges of bigamy and extortion. So it was very messy. Oh, yeah. And he was all tied up in that. Exactly. Get, get your shit in writing. Folks, cover your butt in any and all business ventures. She had a lot of marriage licenses in writing. Didn't seem to help. I didn't. But like for him, oof. Yeah. Oof. I know. That's rough. So... After they get divorced, while they're in the middle of all of this lawsuits, she gets married again. Uh, this time in Houston in 1992. So this is, yeah, like the next year after she had gotten married to Boggs. Um, they didn't last. They split up before the end of the year. She ended up suing Boggs because he refused to release the lien that he had on the bed and breakfast. Um, it was... Apparently at the time, and this is, again, in Steamboat, which is like, it's like, it's a ski town. So it's Mm -hmm. very expensive. (laughs) Uh, So this bed and breakfast in 1992 money was valued at a million dollars. And at the time is being run by Coit's son. So she ends up getting in a relationship with a man named Michael Bacchus who was a telephone repairman uh, before the annulment to Boggs was finalized and even before the divorce of her seventh husband was finalized. She gets involved with this guy, Bacchus. And she ends up convincing him to help her murder Boggs. So October 22nd of 1993, so this is two years after they got divorced, Jerry Boggs doesn't show up for work and so his brother goes to his house to check on him and discovers his body which has been shot and beaten so they were only a week away from hearing one of the civil cases between Boggs and Coit so police obviously suspect her like Mm -hmm. right away there was also like Boggs had had a 
uh, answering machine that had recordings, because back in the day, kids, our answering machines were separate. Yeah. They were separate things that you had to plug in and get set up, and they had tapes in them. They sure did. And that's what your messages were recorded on. And it was a big deal if you didn't check your messages and delete them when you needed to, because sometimes they would then auto-delete and rewind, and you would lose messages that you hadn't listened to. Yep. Or your tape would fill up. Or your tape would and fill then you up. Couldn't get any new ones. Mm-mm. Nothing. And people would say, "Well, I called you. I left a message. So your answering machine full." That was a real phrase. It was that we had. It was. And it was a wild. It was a wild time. It was. But you could also unplug your answering machine and just not talk to people. Mm, yeah, you <laughs> could. I mean, I know you can put your phone on airplane mode, which I've done. But they can still leave a message, and when you go back on not airplane mode, it's there. It's waiting for you. Yeah. This way you but don't even know about it. There's just something about no evidence. disconnecting. Yeah. That was just... I don't fucking know, man. It sounds relaxing. My phone never rang. Like, I, I don't know. I called you. It must have not. didn't go through. I wonder if maybe they're working on the phone lines. That's crazy. It must have, like, not worked. Yeah. Hmm. Are you? Do you have the right number? Is it... I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't. No, my answering machine's wonky. Yeah, kids these days. Ah, <laughs> uh, no excuses. Anyway, so Jill had left a message, or messages, on Bog's answering machine that were threatening in nature. Oh. And that particular answering machine had gone missing during the the murder, or after, whenever it had gone missing. So that was suspicious. So, Coit and Bacchus said that they were camping just west of Fort Collins during this time when he was murdered. She also started spreading rumor, like trying to spread rumors that he was a, quote, closeted homosexual and they should look into a, quote, mysterious lover. It was made up. There was no oh. evidence of any of this. It was just the 90s and... And that was the mudslinging that you could do. You could just, you know, ruin someone by saying that they're gay. Mm-hmm. Being gay is not a crime. Like, no. fucking, even if there was a secret lover, so what? Right? No one can... Mind your business. You're out here murdering people. Right? I think she was okay, trying let's... to imply that his mysterious lover murdered him. <sighs> yeah. But, like I said, there was no evidence of that at all. No. So, before the police can arrest them, Jill and Bacchus skip town and flee to Mexico. She, she made a mistake now. And she called her son. And she confessed to the murder and asked for his help in covering it up. Now, I forget the exact words she said, but it was gross. It was something like, it's done and it was messy. Oh. Yeah. It was gross. Oh. It was actually, it was like, she's, hey, hun, or hey, honey, it's done. It was messy. Something like that. It was, it was just gross. Oh. So he instead goes. Disgusting Hansel and Gretel. Right. To 
leaving breadcrumbs. Huh. So, he instead goes to the police. Because he thinks, rightly so, that she killed their dad. <laughs> oh, the so he's now husband putting all went, of yeah. this together. So he's like, I don't know about this. I think, yeah, this is this is not good. So he tells the police that she killed him. Um, eventually, she was arrested in Greeley in December of 1993 um, because she was visiting from Mexico. So they caught her. Fun fact, her arrest affidavit listed 16 different names that she's used. Damn. That's so many names. I have one nickname and I can't even keep it track sometimes. Keep keep it track. Keep track of it. <laughs> How did she remember? Do you think she had like a little date book? <laughs> That had all the names she'd used before so that she could, like... like, a little black book for her just herself. Yeah, for just her. Because you could pass that off if someone ever found it. You'd be like, oh, no, no, that was, like, my friend from college or whatever. Yeah. you got to keep them straight somehow. Somehow, yeah. I don't know. It was crazy, though. So, in her, in her court case, testimony about her previous marriages was not allowed. Okay. Yeah. But it's fine. They didn't need it. It was revealed that they began making plans to murder Boggs as early as the summer of 1993. Oh. And he was murdered again in October. Oh. So this was, this was planned. This was very long yeah. coming. Exactly. A co-worker of Bacchus said that he was offered $7,500 to kill Boggs. Um, so they were, like, soliciting people. At some point, when before they killed him, they had traveled to Iowa for Bacchus's work. And Coit claimed to be a psychologist and began counseling flood victims. So they were there because of this flood. He was a telephone line repairman, and the flood had taken out the telephone lines. And so she just pretend, pretended to be a psychologist, started therapizing people. Good lord. No shame. No. And, like, how traumatizing would it be for these poor people to, like, later be like, my therapist was just a con woman and a murderer. Yeah. No trust in the therapy system at all no. after that. You try and, you're going to have to go to therapy again. Right? And say, like, prove it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I need to see some identification. <laughs> That's, oh my God. Right? Just, Jesus, woman. All of this energy that you put into murder and scams and conning and lying and manipulating people, you could have gotten your master's degree. Right. Could have started a business. 
could have been an actual psychologist. Some... You could have been an actual therapist. I mean, I'm glad that you weren't because yes. very clearly you are like a narcissist and like yeah. sociopathic. Uh-huh. So thank you for not doing that. But son of a bitch, this is a lot of time to put into doing things the not ethical way. Nefarious. Nefarious effort. <laughs> yeah. Nefarious effort. would be a good band name. And, like, if you want to just date around, date around. Yeah, like, you don't have to get married. No. There. If you want to have kids, you can have kids. You don't have to get married to do that. Like. Right? Like, and there are guys, like, there are sugar daddies out there. Yeah. They would be happy to give you lots of money. She would have made so much money. And that would have been the deal. It would have been transparent and open and honest. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, that's fine. But, like, don't lie. Don't manipulate. Don't murder people. For sure. So she also (laughs) tried to convince a woman in Iowa to kill Boggs for her, saying that he was a rapist and sexual deviant. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, she really wanted to convince people that he was... And she's bad guy. really not smart about all of this. She's no, left she's doing a very bad so job. much evidence. Yeah. So investigators were originally slightly thrown off because witnesses said that they saw two men at the crime scene or like in the area. Mm-hmm. It turns out later that she was wearing, they were wearing disguises. Okay. And she was wearing a fake mustache. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just imagine, like, the Groucho Marx glasses, eyebrows, mustache, nose combo, oh where she was God. like, ha ha, they'll never know it was me. <laughs> I was picturing, like, a Luigi thing going. Oh, <laughs> like they were both dressed as like Mario and Luigi. Oh my god! I don't know why. <laughs> Villainous twirling her mustache. Is that what you think all villains look like, Andy? Maybe. Do you think all of them have pencil thin twirly mustaches? No, but maybe I have issues with Super Mario. I don't know. <laughs> Did it hurt you? <laughs> Did the rainbow bridge hurt you? I don't want to talk about it. I just get twitchy around blue shells. I don't know. It's turtles. You never know what they're thinking. You they're never know what they're going to do. Banana peels, forget about it. I'm so afraid of ghosts. Uh, okay. Oh. All right, back to the bad stuff. If we don't uh, laugh, we cry. So it turns out that they... Uh, right? <laughs> Both. Um, so it turns out they had broken into his house. They shocked him with a stun gun and then ultimately murdered him with a twenty-two caliber pistol. They had beaten him with a shovel. So it was not nice. And this guy, like, he had a really regular schedule, which both made it easier to plan this and made it easier to catch on that something had happened because he, so he would go and open the hardware store 
and then he would leave and go eat breakfast at the same place every day at the same time at the same restaurant and then he would run home or whatever and then go back to the to the hardware store so when he didn't show back up after breakfast they obviously knew something was wrong like immediately but coit and bacchus also knew that he was going to be there so violent but there are a lot of similarities though between that and coit like the first husband who died because they were both didn't show up for work they were both found shot by an apparent intruder like they always they always go back to the scene yeah and they always want to make it seem like it's an intruder or a robbery but they don't take anything like right robbery is or they just throw things around yeah and then still don't take things robberies are smash and grab and they really want you to not be there they don't want it to be messy and thorny. Yeah. The point of that is speed. It's supposed to be a crime of convenience. If you're there, exactly. They just won't do anything. I mean, before everyone comes to me, yes, obviously Hopefully I know they sometimes they can escalate and leave. it's horrible. I'm not saying like go out and rob people. Yeah. I'm just saying that usually it's not really going to end That's not in a violent goal. murder of someone getting shocked and hit with a shovel and then shot. Like, the goal isn't the murder. The goal is to just get stuff. And they didn't take exactly. anything except for a answering machine? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, poor man. Yeah. So, March 17th of 1995. So this is two years after the murder. She was convicted of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and sentenced to a life without possibility of parole, plus an additional 47 years for the conspiracy charge. So she's in prison forever. Fucking good. Bye. Toodles, bitch. Her boyfriend was also convicted and sentenced to life in prison. She is... So I saw kind of conflicting reports. One source said that she was currently serving her sentence at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility. Another said that she had been moved. So she started there at the very least. She has exhausted all of her appeals. Her Her first eligible date for parole is March 16th of 3004. Damn. So... Of 3,004. <laughs> yeah. They weren't messing around with that. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, are any of us going to be alive by then? God, I hope not. For sure not her. No, not prisoners. I wouldn't. Ugh. That took me to a weird dystopian future thing. They were cyborgs. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um. Yeah. So she's not. she's not quite done yet. Oh, she's not, she's not quite done yet. April of 2006. Sorry, no. Back it up. May of 1998. She posted an online personals ad reading, want U.S. citizenship? Marry an inmate. It's direct. The U.S. Department of Immigration 
had objections. Yeah. The, yeah, you yeah. can't you can't officially do that. No. No. They frown on that. So they shut her down before she got any hits, but she tried. She was God damn did she try. Okay. <laughs> Just stop. Like, ma'am. <laughs> stop. So now we're gonna get a little dark again. Okay. April of 2006, she filed a civil suit against multiple de- defendants, most of whom are correctional officers, claiming sexual abuse and human rights violations. Okay. Um, she claimed that she was denied the use of therapeutic braces for her back and both of her hands, because um, apparently she's got arthritis, okay. and that she was sexually abused and had her finger broken by a guard. Obviously, our prison system is real fucked up, so... And abuse very much does happen. Yeah. With, among inmates, by guards and people in positions of power. We know that that does, and that's horrible and very unfortunate, if that was true. It was slapped down by the courts, so apparently she did not have enough evidence. Again, in theory... I don't know either way. I I hope that it's not true. Because yeah. no one deserves that. But I don't know. Yeah. And that's also a thing that... I mean, they're usually going to take the correctional officer's yeah. word. Exactly. That's the whole point of the problem. Is that they're still going to trust the source of authority even when the people who are being abused by that authority are speaking up. Exactly. So, yeah, that is Jill Coit, who for sure murdered one husband and maybe murdered another one. Like, probably. Probably. It sounded like they were looking into it again, but I didn't hear anything that came out of it. Yeah. So I don't know if they maybe just didn't have enough evidence or if they're like, oh, she's already in for life. For the rest of her life. For the rest of yeah. a lot of people's lives. Exactly. So, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she would definitely be like a Black Widow in the sense of like sucking the life out of guys. That's true. Or just like... And probably like Black Widow in intense. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, the motivations were Black Widow-esque. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. murderer. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, that's that's proven. The courts decided it already. Well, goddamn. Yeah. Oh, well, and sure. then it was weird because, like, I realized it was kind of the inverse of the last true crime story I did where the guy murdered his second wife. I was like, that's weird yeah (laughs) i did not do that on purpose but yeah oh andy (laughs) i know i need a tape ew (laughs) oh my goodness (sighs) so um that's pretty much it she there are like multiple media representations so there is a 1995 book called charmed to death And it tells the story of Jill Coit's conviction for killing her husband. And then 
it kind of depicts her long history of bigamy and embezzlement mm-hmm. and drama. Uh, there is also a 1995 book called Poisoned Vows. Uh, and this one is more on the... Uh, it was written by like a true crime author slash investigative journalist uh, named Clifford L. Leindecker. And that was like a full biography of Coit and her criminal activities. And then Fox did a made-for-TV film called Legacy of Sin, the William Coit story. Um, and it was based on the first book, Charmed to Death. Sorry, my context got really dry all of a sudden. I'm like winking at you. Um, Ew. Ew. So, uh, it's also portrayed on several true crime documentaries. Uh, I actually watched the Forensics Files one, which was done in a super weird way. Okay, I've never watched Forensics Files before. Okay. Like, I love listening to true crime podcasts, but watching them and, like, reading the books are just not my jam for whatever reason. Okay. Um, it was weird. It was, like, really weird. What kind of weird? <laughs> like, the way that they framed it, they were like, well, his stomach contents showed potato and onion. But the fry cook at the breakfast place said he didn't cook any onions in his potatoes. So was he killed after breakfast or was he killed after dinner? And it's like, no, that wasn't a question. But they made it seem like the entire case hinged upon whether or not he had eaten onions. And spoiler, the cook was cooking other things with onions and then not wiping off the spatula. So there were small amounts of onion in the potato. Ah, it was such a weird focus. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't understand. And then I kind of hated it. They were probably just, they were probably just trying to like draw it out for the plot or dramatic effect, which like murder alone is dramatic enough. Right. And when it's like her ninth husband and a previous husband has already died and her previous adopted father died, like there's a lot of drama to draw on. That's not what this dude had for breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she left plenty of other evidence. Right? You know, like telling people that she did it. Yeah. Good on yeah. her son for calling the cops. Right. Like her she out. must have. She must have been a jerk all the way around. To get to get ratted on by your kid. I mean like, I would add like probably okay, so I have... but I would I would rat out even people that I liked if they genuinely committed murder and I knew it. Yeah. I do love with some slight conditions. That is one of the <laughs> conditions. Now what if, what if they really deserved to be murdered? No, I'm kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> That's an off-air conversation. <laughs> But like, yeah, I, you know, we're, we do not condone murder. We never do. Of anyone. <laughs> we never do. Um, yeah, I, nah, like, if someone says, yeah, I murdered this person, 
I'm gonna I'ma tell. I'm a tattletale. Yeah. I probably would too. And depending on how who it was, I might wrestle with it for a bit first. But that feels like the kind of information that like it's gonna keep me up at night, man. Like mm-hmm. I can't keep that to myself. Mm-hmm. And also if you don't say anything and then they do end up get getting caught, too. then you're like culpable. Yeah, they would say if you knew something, then why didn't you say anything? Then you say I ain't no snitch, but like, I think snitching has limits. The famous, yeah, the famous courtroom defense. Uh, yeah, works every time. Why did you say yeah. thing? I ain't no snitch. That doesn't. Yep. That works in like low stakes. <sighs> That's low stakes. That's minor. Yeah, your things. best bet at that point would be to be like, "Oh, I didn't believe them." No. But then you have to convince them that you legitimately yeah. didn't. And it, I mean, I feel like anybody that knew her history would be like, "Yeah, that that sounds right." Yeah, that that <laughs> tracks. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, so glad she's in prison. Um, yes. There's also American Justice episode on A and E and Deadly Women. On Investigation Discovery, and then Facing Evil with Candace DeLong had an episode on Investigation Discovery about her as well, where she actually goes and, like, interviews her in prison. Oh, damn. So, yeah. What is the difference between American justice and other nationalities justice? Because if you have an entire show called American justice, what, like, what would Canadian justice the crime show be. I feel like that would be a more interesting show, actually. They could just take, like, one case and be like, okay, American justice, this is what would happen to you. Swedish justice, this is what would happen to you. They'd rehabilitate you. Russian justice. <laughs> right? Welcome to Siberia. Exactly. <laughs> I was just about to say that. You could get, like, a nice, a nice spectrum. It'd be interesting. Canadian justice is they will arrest you. They will put you in prison, but they will say sorry while they're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Just. <laughs> and I feel like if other countries had to describe American justice, they would probably just say, I'm assuming American justice is just getting shot. <laughs> and so collectively Americans would go, hey, you're right, but. We're not happy about it. And then we laugh so we don't cry. And then we laugh so we don't cry. Because America. America. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, uh, yeah, that's the story of our Colorado Black Widow. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing it, Andy. Thank um, you for listening. If uh, people want to engage with us further, where can they do that? Uh, they can do that from behind their computer screens because we don't talk to people in person. Never! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they may email us directly at twogirlswhoscareeasily at gmail.com with the number two. Or they may find us on Instagram under the same tag, twogirlswhoscareeasily with the number two. And yeah, say hi. Check us out. And we'll say hi back. Yeah. And and it'll, we'll it'll post be things. It'll be cool. 
you know? Yeah. We could, like, be friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm sounding like that right now. Because it's, like, bedtime. We're starting to get weird. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. I need... To, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Can't even. Okay. <laughs> I literally can't even. <laughs> what folks couldn't see is that I do have a water bottle that says that. And I use it. It does. And I love it. And it's pink. And I'm not sorry. I'm not even a little bit sorry because I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm pretty envious of it, actually. I would I would rock that water bottle. You'd look, you'd look so. so good. Yeah. You. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh okay. We're Thanks. leaving. We're leaving. Do it for the crops. We're bringing it back. Do it for the crops. Do it for the crops. <laughs> Bye. Bye.